Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in light of sola scriptura and tota scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. And make sure you join the Westminster Effects... Excuse me, I had too much coffee. Uh, Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. This uh, This is take two of this main segment. Uh, Bradley's computer had a little hiccup yesterday when we originally recorded this. Uh, So instead of in person, I am joined via the internet (laughs) by... Bradley Cox, pastor at Res Church in Greer, South Carolina. And you still don't have a fancier title for yourself, as you were saying. You're going to develop one. Uh, As well as... Hey, everybody. John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist. And a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm going to skip just to make Bradley feel more important. <laughs> <laughs> we, hey, it's really sad that the listeners don't get take one because John was much grumpier yesterday. Oh man, yeah, I was. Yes, today. was. <laughs> I was so much in in a rut. I mean, y'all, there was so much going on the last, uh, just the last like five days. You know, I had mm. projects for the wife. We had kids. That, you know, activities. Um, uh, Meetings you were for this. I had yesterday. scouts last night. It was it was bad. Absolute I mean, zombie it, yesterday. But yeah. you're so you're so funny when you're grumpy though, John. I know. It's just like it was. <laughs> it's a lot of good content that got lost because of my. I mean, hey, I, like like I said before we hit record, I do need to kind of use the restroom right now. So, um, <laughs> much, so much there, like, there there is some angst that could be converted. <laughs> Hey, much uh, see, much like a, I see the little much, beads of sweat on your forehead, John. So we gotta <laughs> much hey, like a, a, a dude much like a forgotten, so much like a forgotten prayer request. God heard it. <laughs> 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 so uh, so what we did talk about yesterday in terms of we're gonna skip the what did we do in church this week, but you can hear uh, Bradley's sermon on Romans twelve at resfaith.com or our Venmo, if I recall correctly. And, John, yep. you uh, just finished a series at Christ Lincoln at uh, from on Philippians, Fli- correct? On Philippians. Um, Where can preaching, we do that? I'm preaching directly out of the text. can be found at ChristLincoln.org, along with uh, all of the sermon audio from, geez, probably since like 2008 or something like that. So you can Ooh, you can go, go way back. But, yeah, ChristLincoln.org. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this week uh, we're talking, should Christians participate in any type of uh, Halloween festivities uh, at Bradley and my church? (laughs) At my and Bradley's church, uh, we take part in an event with a couple of other churches in downtown Greer called Halloween Hoopla. Uh, Bradley, you want to give us a quick rundown about uh, Halloween Hoopla and kind of what that looks like before we get into proper Halloween stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not an event that we came up with on our own. It was yep. um, the, the city of Greer actually approached us. There, This event had kind of gotten started with a couple other churches, and, and the, the, those churches wanted to kind of hand it off, and the city wanted to keep it going. And so we, we, we said yes. We, you know, that's typically our approach is, you know, when the city calls and asks for help with something, we try to say yes. I mean, we want to be a presence in the community. And so um, it's, it, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, it's a safe trick-or-treating event. 
that's open to all, and we'll have several thousand people come and uh, participate in it. It's on the the city um, the, the city park grounds, um, and it's yeah, it's just it's open to everyone. And and the benefits for us have been that we've uh, continued a great relationship with our city. We forged a great friendship with another church in our community, and there are other churches getting involved. Um, it's it you know it's it's it it's a good promotion for our church. Um, it, it gives our church a presence in the community, and it's not an overly evangelistic event, but it's a fun event. Um, and so, yeah, it's it it's something that we do. And um, you know, I, I think this is what we're going to talk about today. I mean, there are certainly. Um, people that come to this event dressed as goblins and ghouls and what have you. I think our church represents itself well. You know, when they do dress up, it's mainly like uh, Disney characters or, you know, cartoon kind of things and whatnot. But, um, you know, the point is not to participate in a pagan holiday, but it's to um, just put on something fun and safe for the community and be a presence in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess to get into a very, very quick abbreviated history of, of Halloween, it's, you know, it's also all Hallows Eve. It begins a three day observance of all hallow tide, uh, which, uh, is the time in the liturgical year dedicated to remembering the dead, including saints, the hallows martyrs and the faithful departed. Uh, it's widely believed that many Halloween traditions do have some pagan roots. Um, Maybe, maybe not. It's kind of one of those ambiguous things within history. Uh, Trick-or-treating started as souling in the Middle Ages in England, where people would ask for what they called soul cakes in exchange for praying for that person's and their family's soul. Uh, And costumes and disguises may have been around for that, but they really picked up in popularity in late the late 1800s in Scotland, and we we did get a little kick out of this yesterday uh, when we mentioned that in regards to pet costumes, 30 million Americans spend 480 million dollars a year uh, on costumes for their pets. Um, John, you said something just glorious yesterday, and I don't remember what it was. I don't know if you can replicate that or not, but it won't have the same effect since we've already heard it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I asked the question on whether or not the uh, the demographic of the population that buys those pet costumes was the same that buy overpriced North Face uh, vests, <laughs> right. shirts, right. um, and vaguely smell of pumpkin spice. Although I will say that last night I made myself a uh, I made myself a, a cup of hot apple cider, real apple cider, steeped with brown sugar and a cinnamon stick and clove, and um, it it I, I felt very white and very basic yet very fulfilled at the same time. <laughs> well, it um, being October, I am given to Sam Adams Oktoberfest pretty hard right now. So uh, on, so honestly, like I I don't drink uh, very much anymore, but um, Sam Adams Oktoberfest is. Always a good decision. Always, uh, always, <laughs> even at breakfast, which I have not done. <laughs> but it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, dude! You just paid out all the royalties for this to Kenny Chesney. I just yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, I did. Just, yeah, so whoever, whoever that was, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, this is one of those things where we, we brought up Halloween hoopla because we inevitably get Facebook messages, emails, and whatnot. Uh, uh, to the church saying, 
some of them can be fairly accusatory. Some of them are just kind of curious. Um, hey, what's with this Halloween thing? You're at church. Aren't you supposed to be like against Satan's birthday or whatever? Which uh, that's never that's never been what Halloween is. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, some people may have just said it was that for uh, various and sundry reasons. Um, but what do we, what do we do with um, what's kind of become uh, almost a celebration of of darkness, of creepiness, of uh, jump scares, <laughs> of people paying way too much money for people dressed up in, in bad makeup to jump out with a bad chainsaw. <laughs> like, what, what do we do with that part? Uh, is there a line, or is it mainly up to discernment and wisdom as to how creepy is too creepy? Uh, should creepiness have anything to do with, uh, should Christians have anything to do with creepiness in general? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that I think Christians should not avoid, um, you know, dressing up or engaging in things that are that appear evil. I mean, that that's right. certainly not the point, and certainly not something the church should be advocating for. I think, as is true with every holiday um, that we celebrate, there. It, it probably wouldn't take much research on the internet to find pagan roots in just about everything that we yeah. do um, with Christmas, with Easter, um, and oh, so look, I think every, Bradley. Bradley, yeah. I'm, I am going to interrupt you and say that uh, I have firsthand witnessed the pagan roots of Halloween, and that is every single person who gives Smarties out as trick or treat candy. <laughs> that, that is the root of evil. Sweet that is water, verboten. Sweetwater, you have been warned as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more bit of honey, uh, please. And for those listening, uh, there are better options than Smarties. There are much. For the every option is a better there. option. Yeah. Even even the drugs that never get passed out as Halloween candy are better I options know. than Smarties. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, yes, or the candy apples filled with razor blades. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, my yeah. my mom was always certain I'd get one of those. So, yeah. one of my fa- one of my favorite things on Halloween when when my doorbell starts ringing is to open it and show up with a pot full of green beans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is such an old man thing to do, but the look on the kids' faces that is time is just <laughs> priceless. That is constant like, dad get, joke. I, I literally get the tongs out and start to. Get that is a consummate dad joke. That's amazing. That's uh, amazing. 40, I am 42 years old, and I'm a. <laughs> I was trying to say something spiritual, and y'all interrupted me with pagan roots about everything. I mean, you could even probably yeah. find a pagan root to like the game of football. I mean, it it was a derivative of soccer, and obviously soccer's pretty pagan, right? So <laughs> maybe, but uh, you soccer know, hooligans, yeah, yeah. I, you know, about I don't know. Um, it, it was close to twenty years ago. I was working in a church, uh, um, and the pastor of that church got really enamored with the pagan roots of Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and preached some messages that really discouraged people from, you know, putting up Christmas trees or having anything to do with the Easter bunny and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, to be honest, I, I can't say that I'm learned, well-learned in 
all those details. Uh, I don't even remember half of what he said. It was 20 years ago. But um, I, I do think that a Christian approach to every holiday should be to redeem it, um, because even with some of the most, um, you know, uh, steeped traditions that a lot of us have uh, with mm-hmm. Christmas uh, in particular, Thanksgiving. I mean, those things can easily venture into sinful activity with gluttony or commercialism and what have yeah. you. And um, and what gets lost is some of the, the beautiful biblical benefits of some of these traditions. And I think with Halloween, um, they're, they're, every time we've gone out in a neighborhood that we've lived in, trick-or-treating, we've gotten to know our neighbors better. Uh, we've interacted with them. Friendships have been forged. Um, sometimes those relationships open the door for gospel sharing, inviting people to church. And uh, the, the event that we do every year now, Halloween Hoopla, it has the same benefit, is that we get to interact yeah. with people. And I think we can do that and represent Christ and the kingdom well without engaging in some of the things that are blatantly um, pointing away from Christ to right. darkness and evil and what have you. I think one of the the things that a lot of the objectors, whether you want to, and I particularly see this around Christmas, uh, Christmas and Easter, uh, one of the things that a lot of the objectors miss is, is uh, we are not trusting in celebrating a particular holiday for our justification. Um, and and two, we're attempting to make it explicitly about Jesus. Uh, it's you know, it's if if you do make it about the gifts, uh, how much stuff can I get, or how much candy can I get? Um, then sure, that's sure. that's where we run into a problem. But if it's if it's to the glory of God and the and the good of God's people, um, I I mean, how can you really? Speak yeah. against that, you know? Um, you know, thinking about this, and this was a point that I missed yesterday morning when we talked about this the first time. Is, you because know, you were so how, grumpy. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm beginning to, to wonder, and, and I, there has to be something, uh, a connection between uh, the kind of the, the Mexican and Latin American celebration of Day of the Dead and, uh, mm-hmm. and how perhaps the the costume traditions of the the ghouls and the skeletons and things um, have trickled into, um, you know, the American uh, kind of representation of Halloween because um, the roots are very similar. You know, Day of the Dead is, uh, you know, it's more of a, I mean, for anyone who's seen Coco, you've got the general idea, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, put the picture on the ofrenda so that the, you know, your loved ones can come back. And there's a bit, there's a lot more mysticism there than than we have with with our even the historical traditions of of All Hallows Eve in that oh, we absolutely. remember those saints that have gone before. Um, but you know that that was just a, an aside. The the one thing Bradley that you mentioned yesterday that I really wanted to make sure we didn't skirt over was how our celebration of what even may have contains some pagan elements at some time, um, really is analogous to a 1 Corinthians 10 um, sort of issue. Um, You spoke about that yesterday, so rather than me kind of bogarting in on your topic, I'd I'd love for you to to bring that back up and, you know, discuss the kind of the taking it back um, sort of perspective when it comes to things like this. Well, again, I think, you know, how can we redeem it? Um, Halloween... And its association with evil and dead and 
what have you, is not a threat to the kingdom and it's not a threat to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we have to be, the, the line we need to be careful to toe is not to um, laud or celebrate things that are evil, but, but uh, to go at this as, you know, Christ followers in an effort to redeem the, the, the most beautiful things about any holiday or any tradition or any celebration, and that is people being together and, and community happening and, and taking shape. And I think um, we're, we're not, I don't think we're, Cody mentioned this yesterday morning, and we shouldn't skirt over this e either, is that um, some Christians go at Halloween like, you know, we're just going to kind of kick the devil in the face and, you know, um, you know, sort of a cavalier attitude about it all. And I don't think that's right either. I think our our approach should be to redeem it and maximize and emphasize the um, um, the togetherness and the camaraderie and the um, relationship building that can take place, um, you know, in something like Halloween, um, because people sure. are going to celebrate it, uh, and I think we can redeem it. Um, and that's that's been the goal of our event every year. Yeah, you know, we do something in Lincoln uh, very similar to that called uh, Boo at the Zoo. It takes place at the Lincoln Children's Zoo. And um, while Christ Lincoln is not a, a, a nominal supporter um, of the event, you know, having a booth or a, a station, um, that is to say, uh, the Lutheran Schools of Lincoln Association, which is uh, the equivalent of the, the school district for the Lutheran schools, um, does and has done a booth for as many years as, as I can remember, um, you know, for very much the same reason. I mean, sure, there's a bit of marketing uh, in, involved as a as what I hope would be a fringe benefit, not the primary motivation for it. But um, you know, breaking down those lines of uh, um, even people's preconceptions and misconceptions about uh, about the church, and uh, realizing that you know. It's not a super legalistic uh, viewpoint that we come from. Um, you know, we we have the freedom to enjoy and to celebrate these things, um, but uh, you know, to the point of uh, you know, laughing in the face of the forces of of evil. You know, I think it should be um, it should be mentioned that I mean. <sighs> Dressing like skeletons. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a, a big deal. I mean, because that's literally what's inside of us. Um, <laughs> I mean, you should probably skip the in-between bits, though. So, like, between clothes and skeletons, <laughs> there is a part that probably should not be, just for the sake of appropriateness. Um, but when it comes to, you know, devils and, and witches, and, and and we're not talking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I made oh. a naked joke. Nudie jokes yes. on the podcast. Um, yeah. You know, there there is the, uh, I mean, sure, there's the cartoon, the cartoony wizards. There's Merlin and and the the Disney witches and things, which, you know, are, are fine. Or the, the uh, Wizard of Oz witch, you know, the typical green face, big wart on the nose, black pointy hat sort of thing, which I think is all well and good. But um, to, to dress up as or to otherwise, um, just like you said, Bradley, approach the... Uh, the subject of what, at the end of the day, really boils down to the reality of a spiritual warfare with an attitude um, that makes a mockery of it um, in, in the sense of uh, not mm -hmm. 
not not respecting it is real. Um, you no know, I, I think we should. Exactly. I, I think we should be cautious there. And that's not to say that yeah. that we need to be um, that we need to cower in the pre- in presence of darkness. Not at all. We proclaim Christ and His victory over it. But at the same time, um, it is uh, it is very much a, a real thing, and uh, you know we uh, we ought not lead others astray uh, by you know by our actions in turn convincing them that it's not a real thing. Right. You know? yeah. Right. You know, and, and one one final very quick point, because I know we all have to uh, bounce off of here and we'll get to the Inquisition and all that. Uh, you look at Romans 14. Uh, if if your conscience won't allow you to do it, then, then don't violate your conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think, Bradley, you mentioned yesterday, <laughs> all these references to yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when, when Paul was talking about the meat sacrificed to idols, it was still just meat. There wasn't anything magical yeah. or demonic about the meat itself, correct? That's right. I mean, you know, I said this again, another reference to yesterday. Yesterday uh, was a good day. <laughs> When, when Paul was writing about meat sacrifice to idols, you know, the meat markets of the day were the pagan temples. And after yep. the sacrifices had been made, that's where people went to buy meat if they were going to eat meat. And Paul was saying, you know, it's just meat. It doesn't really matter what um, the other parts of the animal were sacrificed to. That kind of stuff's not a threat to the kingdom. The kingdom's not a matter of eating and drinking, he says. And so, uh, but but he does say that if if... If eating that meat violates your conscience, don't do it. And those of you who feel the freedom to eat such meat, don't judge those who it violates their conscience to eat it. And nor should those who choose to abstain judge those who feel freedom to eat such meat. And so I think that should be the very I have really good friends who abstain from any and all Halloween traditions and we have great conversations about that and um, don't pass judgment on one another and appreciate each other's freedom and, you know, conscience about that issue. And so I think that's the that that probably is where we should root our thinking biblically when it comes to this question. Exactly. Um, uh, in kind of in the same vein as this, uh, uh, literally right before we started recording this, uh, I actually had Corey Truax over to record a pod, uh, an episode of his podcast, The Corey Truax Show, which is a great podcast. You should go listen to it. Uh, but he recently had an episode dedicated to the Enneagram, and I threw out an objection to him, uh, obviously in grace and not kind of like railing against him, like anathematizing. And, and we just talked about, hey, what are some, obje- some objections? How can we respond to those? And how can we have these conversations? without you know just flaming people um and it was it was really good conversation so you should go listen to that also uh on the record john and bradley thanks a lot for uh for giving me an extra 25 minutes this week uh uh thanks (laughs) yeah you're welcome Cody. (laughs) so i I do expect overtime pay but Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> we, we'll double your pay, uh, your hourly pay. So, uh, in in uh, audio terms, we will take a break and then come back for the Inquisition. But technically, we recorded that yesterday, so we're going to do some time travel. <laughs>
Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. So, Inquisition questions from the readers, uh, or readers, from the listeners on the in the podcast lounge on Facebook. Will Risky, uh, I guess that's his name, uh, cable quality doesn't matter, change my mind, uh, in reference Ooh, to the Golden fired. Chain uh, cable line I just came out with. Well, basically, you can think of cables as a garden hose, and and you want a less leaky garden hose to keep your water pressure up, and... That's what this does. If you have holes out all throughout your uh, garden hose, it's not gonna not gonna sound as good. Um, and by holes, we mean linear capacitance. Yes, that's what. It does. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys intimidate me with this stuff. Man. <laughs> Stan Fields, uh, host of the All Seven Days podcast, and my dad has a question for Bradley oh, uh, in light of your most recent episode that you recorded with him. Okay. Does Mary Cox really exist? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last two episodes I recorded with your dad, my wife was out of town. And so he's, the one we did at my house with you, and then this last one, my my wife was out of town. Both for women's ministry events that have been going on at the church. So yes, she does indeed exist. You can at least ask the women in our church. (laughs) Not me. Yeah. Uh, Matt Paragoy, how do you keep your witness solid while engaging in a spiritual debate? Ooh. Spiritual debate. So yeah. So I guess in regards to a, like a doctrinal debate, uh, you know, the Calvinism, Arminianism debate, or mm. uh, should we baptize babies, or etc. Any any number of things, the uh, continuation of certain spiritual gifts or not, or Are, are we talking uh, about, when he says witness, are we talking about people outside the church witnessing our mm-hmm. debates? Is that what we're talking that, about? I think, I think that's uh, I mean, it sounds what, it's, what he's talking about. The, the way it's, well, to me the way it sounds is how do we you know maintain our uh, evangelistic posture while at the same time um, you know, and, and the priority we need to place on proclaiming the gospel while at the same time debating and wrestling with how we understand that gospel. That would be my take on it. Um, with people outside the church? I, I would assume so. Um, because, because I think there's a totally different approach mm-hmm. here. I mean, if, if we're talking about I'm in a conversation with someone who's unregenerate about biblical issues. Right. Then there's there's a there's a posture I think for that that is somewhat different than the posture I might take with you if you and I were in a doctrinal debate mm-hmm. about whatever uh, because we're both believers right and if an unbeliever was watching that I mean you, you know you can't expect unregenerate people to think like regenerate people right yeah. right it's it's we're not going to have the same kind of fellowship I mean in Romans twelve. Um, and Paul talks about we're members one of another. That's not true 
of people outside the body of Christ. Right. I'm not a member with them. If I'm ba- a- basically, the, the general posture with an unbeliever is going to be, ultimately, it's you're trying to saturate that with the gospel and their need to repent and believe, right? Well, I think the, the, the approach with an unbeliever is, is certainly saturated with love and, and, right. and um, compassion, but it's also just very much, it's, it's a proclaim. This is the truth, and he who right. has ears to hear let them hear. It's not my job to convince people. Mm-hmm. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you won't even see the kingdom. Right. So I, I, my job is to scatter the seed. Jesus tells the parable of the sower. So I, I go out and scatter the seed and recognize that some's going to fall on hard ground, rocky soil among thorns, and some's going to fall on good soil. And you know, my job is not to condemn people or judge people, but just simply tell the truth. Uh, with a believer, there are times when... Uh, like Jude would say, we contend for the faith. You know, there, there. I think there's an appropriate place for intense debate in the church that yeah. is fruitful and productive among believers. Um, and yeah, we obviously need to maintain a, a a posture of grace towards one another, speaking the truth in love. But these are big issues that we we get to wrestle with, and I um, so. I don't know. It's it's kind of a difficult question to answer because I'm not sure where where he's coming from. Yeah, uh, I think as a blanket statement, grace for both. Yeah, uh, let yeah. your speech be seasoned with grace. I mean, I think that's that's true inside and outside the church. Right. Um, so, uh, Jared Helms, true or false? By his stripes we are healed means I can declare healing over sick people if I have enough faith. False. False. Yep. Um, so what? What? Okay. So that's what is that? Isaiah fifty three, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so and Peter quotes it, right? Um, so I'm trying to find the exact verse because I did so much show prep. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, dang it, I can't find that exact verse. But the context of that is not physical healing. Uh, now we no. we do believe that our bodies will be perfect in the resurrection of the right. dead in right. the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, but it does not guarantee um, that our bodies will be in perfect shape until we die. We're still going to die. No, that's right. Because, um, Bradley, do you wear contacts, glasses? So you wear contacts. John, do you wear anything corrective for uh, your eyes? I, I do have uh, I do have a pair of glasses I, I use on occasion. Yeah, I have bad knees, as we've <laughs> recorded many times. Bradley, you don't have any hair. No. <laughs> you know, we're, I'm, we're all. I'm, I'm a bit chubby. You yeah, know. we're all we're all eventually breaking down, right? Like we all have imperfections. Um, I think God means for that to push us to more reliance on Him, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a big theological discussion that right. can be had about this. But bottom line is that the the heat he, physical healing in this life was not provided for in the atonement. Right. Now that doesn't mean you know, I'm, my my personal belief, you know, theological understanding here doesn't mean that God doesn't heal people in this life miraculously. Right. I, I believe He still does. I, I don't think that that those kinds of miracles have ceased totally. I would I would agree that uh, we don't see a lot of that in our part of the world, um, but. That's for maybe for another episode. Um, 
But that doesn't mean that healing was provided for in the atonement. Yeah. That the stripes mm-hmm. Jesus took on his back procured physical healing for all if we have enough faith. That doesn't square no. with the, the gospel narratives nope. where Jesus healed people that had zero faith, basically. They weren't even looking. Yeah for healing, and yet he healed them. And then there were people that, like the woman with the issue of blood, where he turned to her and said, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a role that faith plays, I think, but it's it's ultimately about the sovereignty of God, because I exactly. think any time anytime a miracle like physical healing occurs, it's a taste of the kingdom right. that has come and is still coming, where the sickness will be no more. But that doesn't mean that healing is provided for all in the atonement. And you even see uh, instances of Jesus not healing everybody in situations yeah. like that's explicit. <clears throat> he didn't heal everybody. And then you see instances uh, not just in the Old Testament, but New Testament too, where God makes so- certain people sick and they die. Uh, right. I think well, it's, and Paul, Paul, you know, Paul had a thorn in the he flesh. He had a thorn in the flesh. I, there's, there's one. It's, it's, it's worded kind of funny. I don't remember what it was, but it's, it's basically that God afflicted someone in his bowels, and <laughs> basically, like he just, he had IBS until he died. Like it was that bad. <laughs> oh, right. And, uh, and, and, and that is now Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how that. How that you know, I, I think this this ties into a, a little bit. You know, and this this isn't necessarily a, a continuationism versus cessationalism thing. It, it's more no, it's of um, you know, miracles in Scripture were used to establish the authority, especially in the New Testament, um, to establish the authority of the apostles, right? The the, the leaders of the early church, and uh, and and. Miracles continue uh, by the grace and and the will of God to accomplish His purposes. And if that purpose is uh, um, out of fatherly loving kindness and goodness to just heal one of His children, well, so be it. Um, but it, but we are not the the actor in that situation. Uh, no matter how long Todd White makes your extra leg. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, so here's here's a pretty funny uh, question to end. John got in on this on the on the <laughs> podcast lounge. Bradley, you might have the biggest eye roll of your life. Uh, Brad Speed asks, "Blessing of the pets, as in a pet dedication in a church service, uh, harmless heresy, or somewhere in between?" <laughs> what? Yeah, apparently, apparently there are some quote unquote mainline denominations offering. Pet dedication uh, during their church services, where you can bring in your doggos or cats or whatever, and have them blessed by the clergy. Are you serious? Apparently, I have, and, and I have we were making fun of John because there was this. yeah, we were making fun of John That's because there were some uh, there were some ELCA churches doing it. <laughs> yeah, and I to, to be to be fair, I you know I'm in line with the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Yes. Uh, is, but they still say Lutheran, so we're going to they, use they any do. ammo available yeah, to make fun of you for yeah. it. <laughs> you know, the, the funniest wow. thing here is when I woke up this morning, um, like the first thing I did was I grabbed my phone and I saw, you know, you've been mentioning it a post in the podcast lounge. And I'm like, okay. So I open it up and it says that. And the first, and like the first, this is like within a minute of waking up, like, nope, they dead. I'm like, because <laughs> like, like in in my kind of you know groggy brain, I was like, 
I, I translated that question to be like a, a pet funeral or something. Uh, but the you know the concept the, the, the concept is is still there. Um, you know, you can have a, a loving companion that does not have uh, sentient or uh, sentient that is not sentient. There we go. Um, that does not have a soul. Um, that does not need to be. I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, you should still pray for your meals. I mean, it, it, it does you. <laughs> <laughs> but you so pray what, out of thanks. The, yeah, I don't know. What is the desired outcome of that? Is would be my question. Why, why would someone? Why would a church? Is this just sort of like a a fun activity? But the clergy is going to bless them for what? So, so literally, talk about providence. I just got a mess a message from one of our listeners uh, who wants to stay anonymous. Um, but he said it, it typically goes farther than just that. Uh, so there's a church near him that that also does this. It meets at a very liberal Methodist church, but they also have a service where they observe pagan rituals from the dead, uh, pagan rituals, I'm sorry, and read from the Quran and all kinds of things and call it holy words. Uh, he and his wife saw it beforehand because they played for one of their services not knowing what it was about, uh, just that it was in a church. And he said that they were pretty horrified, uh, particularly... Um, with the fact that they were reading the Bible and the Quran in the same service. Well, that's that's I mean, a whole other level of weird there. But that, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about why, why would a church and clergy bless animals? Like, what is their... Here's what's going through my mind with this. This is weird. Um, <laughs> you know, I can see a pastor, clergy... Um, going to, uh, you know, a rancher's home at, that mm. goes to his church and praying over the ranch, uh, you know, a blessing, because that's his source of income. Right. Right. That's his, that's how he feeds his family. That's how he provides. So it's that I can see a, a blessing in that sense. I don't, that's, I, I would think would be perfectly biblical to do, but right. to, to have people show up at a church service and bring their animals and bless them. It, I think it just clicked with me. I think it's because of the prolifer proliferation of the idea of like having fur babies and basically treating them as they're your, they're equal to having children. See, and I, I, I wonder about that. Like, I know that there are people that, that, you know, they don't have children, they can't have children, they have pets, and those things are part of the family. And I, I think. That can be God honoring, but I think you know, like with anything, it could venture into idolatry, right? Not because this is a thing. I mean, there is something to be learned about God in the creative order when you look at this, just the millions and billions of species that He created. I mean, there's, there's, you know, when Jesus talks about, um, you know, look at this, look at the birds, look at the sparrows, you know, right. like God's caring for them. So there, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there is a delight, I think, that God takes in animals. Um, but they, like you said, John, it's clear humans are distinct from animals. The animals don't have a soul like we have a soul. Um, and I think while animals could, could point us to our joy in, in God, um, I think we have to be careful that we're not promoting another form of idolatry there, don't we? Right. I think so. That's just kind of weird. 
I think I think we can leave it there. So follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. You, you can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And make sure you leave a five star review. You can support the show at Anchor.fm, where you can donate money and help us improve. If you pledge to donate ten dollars a month for a year, you get your choice of a Piper Drive version two or a Wycliffe Fuzz. I'm going to leave you with the brand new pink treble booster named after aw pink but also it actually is pink uh so the dimmer demo for this brand new uh pedal and this is i haven't recorded it yet so this is me holding myself to it just like i did last week (laughs) So, (laughs) so thanks for listening Hey, this is Cody for Westminster Effects, introducing you to the pink treble booster named after A.W. Pink, and obviously in the color pink uh, in the early days of of rock and roll and metal, uh, pretty much every guitarist just dimed out their amp, just cranked it for their overdrive and distortion, and a lot of times that ended up being kind of woolly, overly bassy, kind of dark. So the Dallas Rangemaster solved a lot of that. It, it boosted the high-end frequencies, and uh, that's what the Pink Treble Booster does here. Um, but you also see it has an adjustable gain control as well as an adjustable range control. So when this is maxed out, this is acting as a traditional treble booster. And as you roll it back, it introduces more boosted frequencies into the chain. So we'll start off here using this Agile Les Paul style with Lambertone grinders uh, using a Boss Katana because it, it actually does a pretty good job if you haven't checked one out and uh, the Westminster Effects Golden Chain Cables. We'll, we'll do a little more traditional style of using this pedal first, but then we'll stack it with an Edwards Overdrive and, and you can see how it really helps open up a lot of tonal possibilities. So here's a clean tone. Not really clean. <laughs>